Welcome in to another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. We have three great interviews lined up for you on this episode. Batting leadoff will be Kylie Burnett. She is a senior pitcher for the Picayune Maroon Tide, and she was absolutely perfect just a week ago. We talked to her about her perfect game performance against Long Beach. And the two-hole is going to be Jason Baker. Jason going to be on the call this weekend for the ESPN Plus. Big series, Louisiana Tech comes into Hattiesburg, going to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and which should be a lot of fun at Pete Taylor Park this weekend. And the three spot will be Taylor Morton. He is the senior personnel advisor for the Super Bowl champs, Los Angeles Rams. So please hang in with us and enjoy this episode. We appreciate it. You listening. Attention all Little League coaches and commissioners, all high school coaches and athletic directors, or anyone looking for plaques, trophies, or any other kind of ceremonial awards. Give our friends at Riverbanks Engraving a shot. They specialize in custom plaques, trophies, championship rings, and more. They even do custom engraved hats. You can stop by their shop at 107 West Canal Street in Picayune or give them a call at 601 798 4928. Also, look them up on Facebook and give their page a follow. Riverbanks Engraving. No award is too big or too small. We're excited now to be joined by Kylie Barnett. Kylie, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. All right, let's talk about last Thursday night. You were able to put a perfect evening together against Long Beach. Kind of walk us through um, your night in the circle. Well, um, the first three innings, I knew we were getting three up, three down. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh, my gosh, like, maybe I could throw a perfect game, but I don't like to think about it. Because it's like, it's like someone, like, if you say it or you think about it, you're going to jinx yourself. So I just kind of, like, brushed it off. And then I was like, oh, they're starting to hit it more and more. And it was like, I only had two strikeouts of the night. So again, closer to like the fifth inning, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's still happening, like this is insane. And then we get let down to the last inning, and it's two strikes, two outs, and I'm like one pitch away from having a perfect game. So, you know, I'm like scared, but you know, I just gotta throw. I know how to throw. And when she hit that ball, I mean, it was just exciting. Yeah, exciting for exciting. sure. That's great stuff. Kylie's certainly uh, great in the circle. She's a senior pitcher for the Picking Maroon Tide softball team. She signed to go to Mississippi Gulf Coast next season. Kylie, are there some outs inside of that perfect game uh, that kind of stand out that were maybe close calls or, or certain batters when you were like, okay, I got by this when I can, you know, it's still still intact? Um, they had this one hitter. She would give me a run for my money every pitch. Um, Jordan Tillman from Long Beach. She is one of their good hitters. And um, Marissa, I don't know her last name. I know her name's Marissa. But those two batters, every time they came up, they were giving me a run for my money. And there was close plays that got hit to Kagan Coolis, my second baseman. Um, she made heck of diving catches. I mean, incredibly plays. Um, I didn't know that she could make those because, I mean, they looked like they were down the middle and Kagan got them, dough for them. She got dirty. And then my third baseman made great plays. Um, and then we had that outfield, um, Brooklyn Keller. Uh, it looked like she dropped the ball and everybody was fighting it. I mean, that was one play that could have 
you know, gave away everything. But they all came together. I mean, everybody came together as one body. It was great. Like, they made awesome plays. Like, all my defense did everything they needed to do. Tali, talk about how special it is to have your uh, dad be able to go back. Of course, he was calling a game, so to be able to go back and uh, he posted it on his Facebook page of of his call synced up with really nice play, as you mentioned, over at third base to to end it. How how neat a memory is that for you two? Well, I always go back and listen to since my dad does the radio. I always go back and listen to it. And I like to just see what my dad says about everybody and, like, the way my dad talks about the game because it's a different perspective from everybody. But for my dad to call it, it's – I don't know how to explain it. It's like a great feeling because there's not there's not many days that people get to, their dad to call a game on the radio and for it to be his daughter's perfect game. And I know, like, to listen to my dad call that thing and how excited he was for me, it means so much to me. Yeah, really. My dad is like my stuff. rock, so that's cool stuff. All right, and so the game wasn't just like a throwaway nine district contest either. A big district win over Long Beach on that night. So the importance of the win too. I mean, they're a worthy opponent. I believe they won the district last year. Yes, they did. No PRC won. I think they were runners up. Well, weren't they? I I think I think they won it, but. That's beside the point. Let's just talk about how important uh, how important it was to to get that win, and then we'll talk more about your senior season. Um. Well, you know, you have to win. Do we want to try and win district? I mean, I don't know the last time they won district, but for doing my senior year, I mean, I'd like to go out with a big bang and win district. So for it to be a district game, I think that made everything way better because that's a big win right there and then the perfect games don't come very often i mean the shutouts come i mean we saw three shutouts this year some three i haven't thrown a no hitter well basically i have now but um for it to be a perfect game on a district night is crazy for it to be a big win yeah crazy and that's the kind of numbers you've put up in the circle uh this year kylie kylie you fought through some stuff um, last year, whether it be an injury or, or whatever else, you're you're really having a tremendous uh, senior season. What's kind of changed uh, this year? Not that last year was a bad year, but your numbers are are better this year. What's changed inside the circle for you? Um, I will say we had a lot of um, defensive errors last year um, that we needed to work on a lot. But having a defense behind me makes being in the circle so much easier. Like, I know I can – I don't know I don't have to go up there and strike everybody out. I mean, of course, I want to strike them out. Like, that's big for a pitcher. But I know that, like, if they hit the ball, I know my defense has me. So you so, can trust and them. And last year, it's – yeah, to trust them, it means everything in a, in a pitcher's head. How excited are you, Kylie, about your commitment and, and signing to go on and play at Mississippi Gulf Coast next season? I'm definitely so excited. I mean, as soon as I went to Gulf Coast on my visit, I knew that's where I was supposed to be for the next two years. Cool stuff. Continued success, Kyla. We appreciate you taking time for the podcast. Thank you. With fall and cooler weather just around the corner, there's no better time to head out to Brothers in Arms. It's Hattiesburg's premier outdoor gun range. It is located at 4657 Highway 49 South. 
Whether you're a new shooter or an experienced one, all are invited to shoot on the safe and family-oriented range. Go check them out and inquire about their annual memberships, hourly rates, as well as their training classes they offer. Once again, that's Brothers in Arms Outdoor Range at 4657 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And remember, always keep your sights pointed downrange. We are now thrilled to be joined by Jason Baker. Jason Baker, of course, will have the call of a huge Southern Miss baseball weekend at the peak for ESPN+. Plus. Welcome in, JB. Uh, Clay, man, I couldn't be more excited than uh, to be here talking some Southern Memphis Golden Eagle baseball and Louisiana Tech Bulldog baseball with you uh, ahead of this matchup. Man, and let's dive right into it, Bake. You're going to have one of the premier matchups across the country, really, when you look at the two clubs going to tie into it on Friday evening at the peak. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And, I mean, it's two programs that um, I would say have certainly hosting-type aspirations and uh, I would think a lot, uh, there's a lot of baseball left ahead of this, but certainly this series will be one that when the NC2A committee begins to, to spell out regionals and hosting abilities and things, I would think this is going to be one of those series that they look back on because they're both RPIs are uh, absolutely incredible and um, they're just perennial type programs. Louisiana Tech, a team that hosted a regional a year ago. Um, obviously, Southern Miss does what Southern Miss does underneath Scott Berry, which is just continue to win. And so um, this will be one of those series that you kind of know later on in the year the NC2A and their selection committee is going to be paying attention to it. And I just feel there will be a lot of eyes in the college baseball world this weekend watching in Hattiesburg. And, J.B., maybe the term rivalry gets used too much in sports, but this is a pretty natural tie-in when it comes to geography. You can both get to one another pretty uh, quickly, and not a whole lot of love lost between these two squads either. No, and that happens, you know, you're right, due to the geographical nature, but, you know, these two teams played each other 11 times last year. Like, due to the COVID schedule uh, and the way that played out, they played four in Hattiesburg, four in Ruston, and then met three times in the conference tournament, which just so happened to be hosted uh, by Louisiana Tech. So they wound up playing essentially seven times in Ruston, Louisiana, against the Bulldogs. And then there's just a lot of, like, intertwining stories between the two programs that have a lot of ties to each other and it mainly starts with the two head guys lane burrows uh, was an assistant coach on a staff for corky palmer here at southern miss while scott berry was an associate here underneath corky palmer so they've worked together for quite a length of time too in, in uh, really an eternity of time in the world of assistant baseball coaches lane was here eight seasons from 99 to 2007 um, and so obviously Scott Berry never left. Um, so there's just those storylines kind of make this intensity. My understanding and from what I know of both individuals, they're, they're great friends, right? But they're certainly like these ultra competitor type people. And that's how you get to be in those kind of positions. So that certainly, you know, kind of leads to ramping up the intensity at times between these two programs. Jason Baker, of course, going to have the call this weekend of Louisiana Tech over at Southern Miss for the ESPN uh, broadcast. 
when you look at it, JV, me and you have talked about this team from the very jump, how, how well we thought they would pitch the baseball all season long. That certainly played out, but, boy, the bats came alive in a big way this past weekend. Yeah, you know, I think it was the timing of the schedule began to allow their swings to really kind of take hold. I I think it was sort of building, if you will. Dustin Dickerson had really gotten going um, maybe a couple of weeks ahead of last week from an average standpoint, getting himself on base. He had been dropped down in the nine position, moved back up to the two hole. And to me, that sort of just kind of lent him into uh, a motivated – time of the year and then when Sargent and Wilkes began to come on you kind of felt like wow like those two big bats in the middle of the lineup um, that have extra base hit potential every single time they take a cut of the a cut of the bat and um, they really just um, you know I don't know the elite level of pitching that they saw maybe over the weekend but the good news is, whatever type pitching that they saw, they annihilated it enough to garner national type recognition um, all across the country. Yeah, and we see this in college athletics or athletics uh, as a whole. It's kind of like seeing a free throw go in or a layup as a shooter. Sometimes that can really spark. And, and like you said, regardless of the pitching, you would hope. With no midweek game this week, if you're a Southern Miss fan, you would hope that those bats stay hot. Yeah, and, and you know, I think those, I, I think those midweek games, when you, when you kind of get away from them for a little bit, sometimes it can refresh you too. Uh, they they had a very late arrival night uh, coming back home from Bowling Green. Actually, ran into some bus trouble on the way home, um, so they didn't get home till very late. And and you know, I think you know, kind of get yourself healed up. You're kind of right in the middle portion of your schedule. You're set to make another push. They've got some major midweek games coming up, a a big ball game against Southeastern uh, in a week. There's still two matchups against Ole Miss on the midweek schedule left. So they still have some major midweek games coming. And um, I think this was just a good time to kind of push reset, if you will. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't know why the bats would certainly cool off. They'll they'll go through their normal weekend routine. And, um, you know, you just got to hope. Uh, it's such confidence, right? That's the saying, right? Hitting is, you know, so much mental and, and such confidence. And I think for those guys, when, when they're confident and they're confidently swinging, um, really, really, really good things happen for the Golden Eagles. So, Jason, we've talked about the Golden Eagles Uh, here on the front side. Now let's break down the Bulldogs from Louisiana Tech. What do you like uh, from this Louisiana Tech ball club? You know, they're they're a team that mimics their coach. I was having a conversation with uh, one of our color analysts, Stephen Castleman, who was a pitcher uh, at Southern Miss while Lane Burroughs was an assistant coach here. And he just talked about, you know, Lane has got this fighter mentality, this us-against-the-world mentality. He's a very emotional kind of guy and very passionate and that's how this team plays and look he's got the parts and the pieces to do it with as well you know top to bottom in his lineup they all play that way the leading hitter for this team in the lineup standpoint is a guy named taylor young he's their shortstop he's currently playing with a broken bone in his hand i read a quote this week uh, from over in ruston uh, from lane crows that someone asked him you know hey is there a moment where you plan to take Taylor out and Lane basically shares, you know, I'll take Taylor out when Taylor comes to me and says, coach, it's, it's 
too tough. I can't play. And um, he doesn't apparently appear like he's going to have that happen anytime soon. So they sort of play with that grid. And then they've got the elites that have to go with it. They're going to look a lot like the Southern Miss staff. They've got two bookend-type starters on the front end of their staff, a Jonathan Fincher, who's 5-0 and on the year. He's a guy with a low walk, high K strikeout ratio, 36 Ks, just four walks on the year. They've also got some great pitching from a guy in Kate Gibson, who's kind of shown them uh, some performances midweek and on the weekend. So he's a guy, too, like he's going to have the numbers to back it up. And um, they're, they're a staff that, to me, maybe in the depth of it, maybe Southern Miss will have a slight edge. I don't know. That seems to be kind of the Golden Eagles niche right now is, is the depth within the pitching staff. But they're going to have guys that are going to know how to throw. They're going to have guys that are going to walk into Hattiesburg with this us-against-the-world mentality because that's who Lane Burroughs is and that's who this program is. That's sort of how they carry themselves and fight for themselves. And so um, that's what I know about the Bulldogs at this point. And, um, you know, he, his product and, and the way that he's gone about it certainly speaks for itself. A matchup that certainly uh, Coach Palmer would be proud of. Is there any doubt about that, JB? Oh, boy, it really would, huh? I, I plan, I, I have a scheduled meeting with uh, Lane Burroughs tomorrow to sort of talk more about that. Um, I plan to get his comments on Corky and, and what he meant uh, to Lane and um, just sort of how he thinks Corky will be watching his matchups um, from his room and, and taking all this in with uh, the atmosphere and uh, just the intensity and, and really the significance of this matchup to this point is uh, just really a cool factor in this to uh, certainly know that uh, the influence that Corky Palmer had not only on Lane Burroughs but on Scott Berry as well. Yeah, really neat stuff. You talked about the staff and kind of the arms uh, that Southern Miss, the Golden Eagles, will see. On the other side, uh, the Golden Eagles certainly have pitched it well up to this point, JB, and their numbers reflect that. Kind of speak to those numbers in the arms for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, it's it's incredible, right? Um, you know, I last year and in one of the broadcasts earlier this year, I, I tried to give it its due where, you know, a year ago when this team dumped out in a K-to-walk ratio and began to lead the country in it, um, you probably, I did, I attributed it, well, man, look at the two guys on the front end of that rotation, Hunter Stanley, Walker Powell, who's one of the all-time winningest pitchers at the uh, at Southern Miss. So you sort of attributed a lot of that success to those guys. Um, but now that they're doing it again, now you almost feel like, wow, this is who they are. This is how Christian Ostrander and Scott Berry and the staff are recruiting too, right? If you're going to walk people, you can't pitch it. So they're missed. And, um, you know, there are guys that are going to miss a lot of bats. Um, Tanner Hall sitting at about a 12K to a one-walk ratio right now. Um, it, it, and they've got multiple guys, five guys that have an over five-to-one ratio, which is just hmm. really good. Wow. Um, and so the depth, that that is what has struck me about this team. Um, and, I mean, man, they've got some elite guys with some elite performances, right? But to me, it's the, the depth in which Christian Ostrander goes and, and grabs another guy out the pen, and he walks in there, and he's got stuff that just makes your eyes pop, right? And just kind of makes you sit back in your chair and think, holy cow, where'd they get this guy? And um, that that is where, to me, I think over the course of a three-game series, 
that that's one of the strengths of the Golden Eagles. And I, I would say, my my opinion, if they're going to win this weekend, the depth will have to present itself. Those guys will have to be as good because we know what kind of hitting prowess uh, Louisiana Tech's going to walk into Pete Taylor Park with. Yeah, that depth on the mound. Uh, you don't beat, I guess, Tulane State and Bama, and really it's still early in the year in the midweeks without some real good pitching depth, correct? I totally agree, Clay. I mean, you know, granted they had Tanner Hall sitting over there when he made his performances um, against Mississippi State, and, I mean, you could just see it in him like, wow, this was a guy probably destined for the weekend rotation. But, I mean, there's guys like Isaiah Rhodes right now. His number's just incredible for this team out of the pen. Doesn't get just a ton of work. But, I mean, you're looking at a road guy with a .90 ERA across 10 innings. He's given up one earned run, struck out 12. Opponents are hitting .229 against him. Uh, you're based out of Pearl River County, the PRCC product in Landon Harper. He's had 10 appearances. He actually leads this staff in appearances, 14 innings. He's got a 11K to 3 walk ratio. Opponents are hitting 195 off him. He's given up. Two extra base hits over the course of 14 innings in Landon Harper, the, the Michael Avalon and PRCC product. So, you know, that that depth, there's another guy, too, a Dalton Rogers. They bring Dalton in out of the pen. He's a guy they've used about 11.2-thirds innings. His stuff is absolutely filthy, um, but just in the situation that they're bringing these guys in, they don't just you don't just get to watch them for three to four innings. So when they come in and their stuff is – really, really good, um, you want to see more, but the situation doesn't present itself because a lot of the times they're going to hand the ball to their closer and Garrett Ramsey and let him slam the door. JB, when you look at it, you know, you'll have a full pitching staff at your disposal this weekend, too. From what I'm hearing, the booth's going to be full. You'll have two guys that uh, could throw it uh, back in their day. Speak to the product, the ESPN uh, Plus product that baseball fans are getting to consume when they can't make it out uh, to the home games at the Pete and how fun it's been for you to be a part of it. And I'll say as, as a viewer, it's really neat to be able to consume college baseball uh, this way. And man, just such a great game. And now you can find it in some different spots. So it's cool to be able to consume it. Yeah, I'll touch on the guys that I'm going to call it with first. Then I'll get to the, the investment that Southern Miss has made within this ESPN Plus programming. But Stephen Castleman will be with me. Cliff Russell will be with me. They both were players for Corky Palmer. Uh, they, they both played and pitched underneath Scott Berry and Lane Burroughs in that entire time uh, that they were there within Corky Palmer's time as the head coach at Southern Miss. Cliff, uh, one of the guys who threw a complete game no-hitter against Eastern Illinois, I believe, was who he accomplished that at as a Golden Eagle. Stephen Castleman was a guy that was just a bulldog his entire Golden Eagle career. To me, he's one of those guys that's like the epitome of Southern Miss Golden Eagle baseball. Just fought for everything. Probably was snubbed coming out of high school by a lot of larger type schools and carried that grit with them. Um, and so those two guys, yeah, man, it's really, really neat to have them in the booth and uh, to hear their emotion about the program and their passion for the program and their love of Scott Berry and Corky Palmer. And it'll, it's going to be it just fascinating uh, with, Steve, with Stephen Castleman this week. Um, you know, inside the booth, he talks a lot. 
he and I have had conversations about him and Lane's relationship, and Lane was the hitting coach, but if you threw a shutout as a pitcher on that staff when Lane was there, you got to hit BP. And so they would let you, like, take batting practice as a pitcher, and he just said as pitchers, and you just want to go to war for the guys like that, you know. And so we'll get to tell those stories, and we're going to spend a lot of time on Friday really touching on Lane's impact within the Southern Miss program, Scott's impact within the program, and to, to watch them go head-to-head. We watched it for 11 times a year ago. Um, that's something that's really, really cool. And then to touch on the ESPN Plus um, opportunity, yeah, man, it's it's incredible. And, you know, a special thank you to Jeremy McLean, the athletic director for Southern Miss. He hired a gentleman named Lee Field, who is our producer of these broadcasts. Uh, he hired him out of the coast, out of the WLOX network. Um, really invested early into this, sort of kind of got ahead of the curve, if you will, within all their investing within these uh telecast, broadcast, TV broadcast, however you want to uh, term the word anymore. And, um, you know, I knew once we had the ability to call some of these, we actually had this opportunity a year ago, but it was very, very late in the season. Um, And we just chose to delay it and and start this year calling Golden Eagle Baseball and ESPN Plus uh, and really make a full investment into it with a full crew, full cameras, um, you've got guys that are working full-time for the Pelicans and their television crew. They're the same guys filming uh, Golden Eagle Baseball on the weekends when the Pelicans are away. And um, I'm just so thankful that they give me the opportunity to be with them because you're right, Clay. Like, people were, were foaming at the mouth for college baseball, and it's a passion within our state. But even in our region, it's just become just massive, right? And, um, I mean, it's, it's such a passionate fan base, and the people who take part in it, it's a great product. And, you know, Major League Baseball sort of went on that lockout for a little bit, and we didn't know how much Major League Baseball we would see while college baseball was happening. So I think you got this influx of people as well that began to consume the product that said, wow, I want to consume more of it. And so – uh, viewer ratings are uh, out of sight um, right now. And, uh, you know, you're seeing more and more of these broadcasts. Kyle Peterson and Tom Hart were on the call this week for SEC Network uh, earlier this week. They were in uh, calling it remotely. They didn't even get to take part in some of the atmosphere. And I'm just blessed I get to sit in Pete Taylor Park and call it. And so I'm, I'm so thankful uh, to the Southern Miss administration for believing in uh, my ability to be able to call these games and, uh, I, I don't take it lightly and, and try to invest all my energy and effort into them when, when I get the opportunities. Absolutely, and do an incredible job. And, you know, football um, gets so much of the pub and the love, but these spring sports, man, whether it be baseball at the peak or softball over at the softball complex, some really special stuff going on at Southern Miss and across the South. You look at the softball game, JB, I'm going to go in a different direction and <laughs> – unscripted you know me well enough to know that's liable to happen but boy the softball game and the way that it uh continues to grow and the people uh wanting to consume it in in any kind of way uh, that they can get it of course you're the voice of the the golden eagles on the softball side but how intriguing is that game and the way that it's grown over the last five to ten years you know i I think it's one of the products that uh probably over the last five years 
while being exposed through a lot of these streaming events and then, of course, the Women's College World Series. Uh, if I remember right, I think I heard a stat last year after that was done. I think it outperformed the NBA Finals in terms of consumption. So let that sink in for a little bit. Like That's how many people were consuming the Women's College World Series. And I love it. Um, you know, I've, I've told you before, I really enjoy it. Um, they have such intense moments in those games, and um, there's just a ton of moving parts um, in terms of the way that they slap the ball and put the ball in play. And yeah, like I think the more people have seen it, the more they say, wow, that's, that's a product I want to consume more of. It's very fast. It's very intense. Um, it, it has a rhythm to it. Uh, to where you just begin to watch when you get these elite pitchers in the mound, it turns into these just massive pitchers, pitchers type duels. And you really always get the notion like one to two runs may win this thing. And, you know, if you know, if you can think to how a pitcher's duel sets up in baseball, like what those are like, where you sit on the edge of your seat just waiting to watch a run touch home plate and think that may be enough. Those moments are so intense. So that's where the softball game is really gone. And I think on the flip side, I think college baseball has been the benefactor of it too. I think the more this product gets put on television, the more that people get the opportunity to consume it, not just in Mississippi, but I think regionally and uh, even nationally. um, Yeah. It's, it's got its moments, doesn't it? I mean, I, uh, you know, I think back to a couple of Fridays ago, I got an opportunity to call the walk-off with Danny Lynch on a Friday night against FAU. And just the atmosphere leaving the park is that of like a fall football field. And I know those are moments that probably happen few and far between, but when you get one of those moments, they are special. And there are people, thousands and thousands of people that follow this Golden Eagle program that that live all year waiting for a moment like what Danny Lynch gave us a couple of Fridays ago. Yeah, from you calling Danny's name, I guess it was uh, three times in a row there to Dickerson ripping his jersey off. Uh, that was a cool scene that uh, that the stream and the broadcast was able to capture. Uh, really neat moments. And look, I'm not to say that there won't be some neat moments coming up uh, but this series is going to be a lot of fun from y'all's vantage point. So I look forward to it, JB. I know you'll be up to the task on the call. I know your prep works and Pepical and uh, the two guys you're going to have with you should be a lot of fun. Clay, thank you so much, man. I, I, I so graciously thank you for this opportunity to visit with you and talk this. And, uh, yes, I'm not going to take it lightly. And um, it, it's been great. I was able to, to consume a lot of that Louisiana Tech DBU game last night and uh, just getting ready for Friday where you're going to watch two guys uh, tow that rubber and go at it. And uh, it, it'll have that feel of a pitcher's duel, I believe, uh, is what the numbers kind of indicate we're trending towards. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks as always, JB. Absolutely, Clay. Appreciate you, man. How do you unwind? Whether it's hunting, riding horses, or just sitting around a campfire. It's better on land you own. Southern Ag Credit can finance that land. Give our Gulfport office a call at 228-832-5582 or visit us online at southernagcredit.com. 
We're now thrilled to be joined by Taylor Morton. He's the senior personnel advisor for the Super Bowl champs, Los Angeles Rams. Taylor, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you today, Clay. Appreciate you having me. Taylor, for a guy like you and the role that you're in, tell us what the feeling was to to see the Rams succeed like they did this past year and to be crowned Super Bowl champs. Oh, it was, it was a great experience for sure, and uh, you know, it's just a it's just a process that we that we go through. Every team goes through it in terms of roster building and and uh, you know to get your team in position to. To, the, to win a championship is uh, it's definitely a process that, that takes a couple of years to do. And then um, in the NFL, I mean, everybody's got good players. It's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a situation to, to get in, uh, to get in the playoffs and then to be able to kind of make a run. And then a lot of things got to come together in terms of um, having a healthy team, uh, limited injuries. And then uh, for us in our situation, it's just uh, Coach McVay. He, he's the, he, he's been the difference uh, the last few years since he signed on 2017. We've gone to playoffs the last four out of five years, and and um, you know he's just a dynamic coach that kind of brings it all together in terms of team chemistry, and that's so important. You know, particularly uh, high character guys in the locker room when the going gets tough, you got to have guys to rally around. And I think that was the difference uh, for the Rams this year for us uh, to make that big push and to, and to win the big game. Taylor, you've certainly been around some leaders of men. You've kind of spoke to it there, but the separator and what Coach McVay is able to do and from really a, from a very young age uh, putting his stamp on on this, What what what's the difference maker with Coach McVay? You know, Coach McVay, uh, for one thing, he – he works great with our general manager, Les Snead. I've been with Les a long time now. And um, and they do a great job working together in terms of Les knows what, what type of players um, that Coach McVay is looking for, and, and both both talent-wise and character-wise. And, um, you know, part of our job in, in player personnel and scouting is to, is to do the character research on, on these college players coming out. So we put a lot of time and – and a lot of effort into uh, finding the right guy uh, that Coach McVay wants in terms of high football character. And we talk about football character, we're talking about work ethic, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about passion for the game, we're talking about the intangibles, right? All those things, you know, got to come together along with their physical attributes and physical talent. And um, I think it's just getting the right mix of guys in there that uh, we definitely want guys that are smart, and instinctive and that love football. Taylor, when you look at the difference between scouting uh, a free agent and then hitting on, say, a fifth or sixth rounder, um, kind of the difference between the two and which one you maybe get more gratification in when y'all see that free agent come in and it's just what you thought compared to making one of those late um, late round picks that really work. College free agents? Yeah. No, I'm talking about when when you think you may know from watching a guy, let's use your quarterback this past year for an example, okay. how that's okay. going to translate opposed to hitting on one of those late picks. Yeah, well, and, and, and it's two different forms of scouting. We say we've got pro scouting where our pro scouts, they evaluate uh, everybody that's already in the league that's playing on Sundays, and uh, they, they put together advanced scouting reports for our coaches. And then on the college side, 
uh, our college scouts uh, go out and evaluate all the draft eligible guys. So it, it's really it's really two different entities there, but they got to be able to work together. And um, you know, with the, with the with the unrestricted free agents coming out every year, uh, our philosophy's been, you know, we're either going to swing big and get the Matthew Staffords hmm. and the, and the Jalen Ramseys and trade picks for those for that type of caliber player, or we're going to kind of sit back and wait and, uh, and and see who's available kind of after that first wave of, of free agency, and then um, and then we've. What we've tried to do, because we haven't had those those top picks, you know, first round picks that we've traded away uh, the last few years, is 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 vital for us to hit on those later round picks, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, and you know, this year we've got three six round picks that we'd love to hit on those kind of guys that can come in and either make the practice squad or or um, you know, if we really hit on them, guys that make our 53 man roster and and can contribute right away on Sundays. So, Taylor, that being said, you win the Super Bowl. How long in your, um, in your department is the honeymoon period after the fact? I imagine y'all are pretty quick back to the grindstone, huh? Well, we won the Super Bowl on a Sunday night, and I got on a plane on Monday uh, to fly back, and I uh, had my iPad out, uh, grading offensive alignment on the way home. So <laughs> there's really no honeymoon period wow. for us because – the draft, it, it's not going to wait on us. It's still the last weekend in April. And uh, our guys, our area scouts do a great job, and they jump right back in and out there beating the bushes and going to pro days. And we're kind of putting the, the final twist on things these last couple of weeks, getting our coaches ready uh, for the draft as well. So still got a lot of work to do, but we feel like we, uh, you know, because the Super Bowl does somewhat set you back, um, at least the – you know, four or five days in the process, but we feel like uh, we're, we're, we were further enough along where we, we don't really feel rushed this year. So that's a good thing. Taylor, when you look at a guy like Aaron Donald and they're, they're one of one, right? If you're scouting them and then what he turns into, is it just amazing to kind of to watch his career, to have a fir- fir- front row seat to what he's been able to do? Yeah, Aaron was was interesting coming out. I mean, he wasn't really on the radar, so to speak, of the NFL going into that season, um, his senior year. Uh, but he's a guy that just started turning heads just the way he plays the game, you know, that high intensity. And then he had production uh, on Saturdays. And then what really got everybody's attention is when he showed up in Mobile at the Senior Bowl and completely dominated both the practices and the game. And so uh, he, he's a unique talent. He's not the biggest guy, um, but he's very explosive and, and another high passion, high football character guy uh, that we, we feel like, you know, kind of sets the tone for our team and in our locker room. Taylor, we have a mutual friend who has uh, allowed me to have you on the show. So. Lance LaFan, a, a roommate yes. of yours and a friend of mine. Yes. I guess he figured you had to win a Super Bowl ring <laughs> before you have quality of this show, but I appreciate um, him connecting us together. Tell us about your Mississippi uh, roots, your roots back to the great state here of Mississippi. Oh, yeah. So uh, probably the roots go back to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi in the 70s. Uh, my parents were were from Mississippi. My dad's from Jackson. My mom's from Newton, small town between Meridian and Jackson. And um, 
My dad was in the Air Force, and I was born in Germany. We lived a short stint in New York, and then moved to. Uh, he got stationed at Keesler, so we got to move to the coast in the in the 70s. And so I started playing football. Shoot, 1979 Westminster Academy, and um, you know that's kind of the roots of mine. And then we moved. Uh, he was stationed over at Eglin Air Force Base and outside of Destin, Florida. Uh, that's where I. Finished up high school, played high school football, and then uh, had a knee injury, went to uh, Heinz Junior College, uh, tried to rehab it, uh, didn't work out, so I enrolled at Southern Miss and was a, ended up a coaching sport administration major, and uh, from there went to Pearl River Community College. We called it PRC back mm-hmm. then. I think, it's, I think they added a C since yeah, then. Yeah, that's so. right. So uh, Coach Coach, Willie Coates, gave me my first uh, job out of, out of uh, Southern Miss, which I was very fortunate to get, right place, right time. And uh, from there, uh, because of my connection at Southern Miss with our receiver coach, Jeff Bowden, he was Bobby Bowden's hmm. youngest son. And his, when his brother got the head coaching job at Auburn, he helped me uh, get on there as a graduate assistant coach. And... Uh, from there, just had connections, met a lot of people while there at Auburn. We had a good little crew living in the dorm. It was me, Will Muschamp, uh, Les Sneed, who's our general manager yeah. now, and a guy named Joe, Joe Ortiz, who's the scouting director with the Baltimore Ravens. We were all three hots in a cot, Gosh. living in the dorm, you know, wow. barely getting by. <laughs> and uh, from there, I, went, I came back to Mississippi and coached at Hines uh, Community College. For about four seasons and then uh from there i uh, went to the atlanta falcons as a scout um, that was my first nfl job was in atlanta for for 12 seasons with dan reeves uh jim mora mike smith and one year with bobby petrino and that was that was really fun <laughs> one year with <laughs> lots of stories there petrino. but uh from there i uh, went to st louis with the rams uh as a college scouting director when Les got the, uh, the general manager job, and uh, then when the team moved to Los Angeles, uh, we wanted to kind of stay in the South and, and and scouting. You can kind of live different places as long as you got an air an, an airport uh, close by. And so I've kind of commuted uh, back and forth to LA uh, from my hometown here in Niceville, Florida, since uh, since 2016. And so, Taylor, if you're going to know football and know it in the South, a guy like Cam Akers comes to mind coming out of Mississippi high school mm-hmm. football yeah. was about as good a high school quarterback as you can find and maybe used a little bit different at Florida State as I thought that he would be, but now he's showing his full capability even through some injuries uh, there for y'all. Yeah, Cam, he's a unique talent, and I've, I've followed his career. He, you know, he, he played at Clinton, played quarterback at Clinton High School, and uh, my wife was a former Arrow from oh, Clinton. Wow. So uh, you had the inside a, scoop, then, didn't you? Had some inside scoop. <laughs> His uh, running back coach was Jonathan Perkins, who uh, coached at Hines back wow. in the '90s. So we had a connection there, and uh, my son played at Southern Miss. Um, up until the, I guess 2020 was his last season there, and so his his freshman year 2017 they played Florida State in the Independence Bowl, and um, and I remember seeing Cam play live as a freshman there, and it was one of those games where they were having a coaching change. A lot of players decided 
to sit that game out, uh, but not Cam Akers. He, uh, he suited up and played and played well um, that game. That was, that's kind of my first exposure to him. And uh, he was just a warrior. He was a warrior all three years as a running back uh, at Florida State. And uh, he's just a, he's a, he's a hard-nosed runner. The guy loves football. Uh, he's talented, and uh, fortunately, we, we were able to get him back after an Achilles injury at the end of this season. He came back and, and, and contributed in the playoffs and, and, and played in the Super Bowl for us as well. And just really looking forward to this season getting him back 100% healthy. Taylor, describe to our listeners, we're less than a month out. I know you mentioned the draft and having to get right back. Uh, to work. What's the workload um, like as we amp up and, and, and get closer to to this draft? Well, like, like Coach Dye used to say, the, the hay's kind of in the barn mm. at this point. Uh, we've had about nine months to get ready, so if we're not ready now, we probably won't ever get ready, uh, be ready for it 100%. But just kind of putting the final, final touches on it, uh, getting our coaches up to speed, uh, with everything because they were kind of late getting in the process because of the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, just guys are finishing up their pro days at their schools this week and, and getting that information in. And uh, and then we'll pretty much be ready in a, in a, in a couple of weeks here. The difference between this draft and then the COVID-affected draft or um, a lot more information now, kind of more what you're used to, or, or was that way different with COVID playing a part? It was totally different in COVID, kind of like everything in life. Everybody had to adjust, uh, and we definitely had to improvise on some things. Uh, but it taught us a lot, too. And, um, and we took those lessons uh, and, and, and different things that we had to use, like Zoom. Like everybody, hmm. everybody knows what Zoom is now, right? Yeah. Uh, so we utilized that with our meetings with our coaches uh, more so. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did cut back on some travel. Uh, just because we 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 felt like we had bases covered, doing things a certain way, and and uh, using our personnel in different ways uh, because of COVID um, it has helped us evolve, and and we feel like be more efficient with with a lot of things we do. Um, so, but it is I always say you can't take the person out of person out of personnel, right? Hmm. It's still a people business. We still have to go to the schools. We still have to see the players up up close and personal. Uh, get their body types, see them move around, uh, meet with the, the coaches and the staff at the colleges to get the, the background information on the players. So uh, definitely miss doing that during that 2020 season and um, and just can't take things for granted in terms of how we do things and, and being able to travel and see these players up close. Taylor, you've certainly mentioned two guys and, and that I wanted to kind of get another insight, a question on, and, and then we'll wrap it up. But Coach McVay and then uh, Sneed, the way that they think and the way that they don't kind of sit still and, and rest after success, I imagine there's been some messages on, hey, we've won this thing, but we're like, this isn't a one and done type deal. What's kind of been the messaging after success? It's always interesting. Uh, for me to see how people handle winning and handle being on the top. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely stress, you know, we can't rest on our laurels here. Um, you know, the, it, the 2021 season was awesome. It was great going to the Super Bowl. It was great winning the Super Bowl. 
you know, after the 2018 season, we're fortunate to play the Patriots in Super Bowl 53 and lost it. And uh, that's a bad feeling. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, it's definitely better feeling to win it. Um, but I look back and, and I remember uh, at the end of that Super Bowl 53, watching those Patriot players and staff storm the field and, mm-hmm. and that, that, that feeling that you have that, that you lost it. And I remember taking a picture of the field because I, I, I really didn't want to forget that field. Mm. And, it, and I've, I've used it as a screensaver on a wallpaper on my computer. And I looked at it every every day when I went to work. And I didn't want to forget that feeling of you want to get there, but you also want to win it, right? Sure. And so I almost took it off the other day. And I, I text Les and told him, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to keep this picture on my computer and it, just as a reminder. You know, that, that you got to put the work in and you want to get there and you, and, and you definitely want to win it when you get there. Wow. Cool stuff. Taylor, I can't thank you enough and I, I appreciate Lance putting us together. But thank you again for your time. I appreciate you having me on, Clay. And, hey, I, I do want to give one shout out. Sure. Uh, I mentioned Pearl River and, and my first job out of college and Coach Willie Coates. He passed away mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago. And uh, he was a he was a great uh, representative for the state of Mississippi, both as a coach, as a player. Uh, he was on the 1958 Southern Miss National Championship, small school national championship team. He was a fantastic human being. Taught me so much the game of football and his leadership. Well, that's something that'll stay with me the rest of my career and the rest of my life. So I wanted to give a shout out to Coach Coates and, and to his family. That's awesome stuff. Uh, we've got a lot of Wildcat listeners that will appreciate you doing that, too. So that's a cool moment. Thank you again, Taylor. Okay, Clay. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you.